Hello, London. I'm Good morning. <laughs> with uh, Natalie Dorman, which she just said that I was the first journalist who interviewed you just at the beginning of um, Tudors for Elle magazine. Yeah, you so were my first ever professional interview. Was that 2004? Obviously, since then, you've had a very, very full acting career, but you've also started to work off-screen, behind the camera, I guess. And uh, it's probably more about that that it's interesting for this audience to hear. So, but if you could bring us up to date, so when did you begin to think that being behind the camera was worthwhile or interesting, or what was your first step into it? I started co-writing an independent feature called In Darkness in 2009 with my then other half, the Irish director, Anthony Byrne. And that was when he was looking to write something and I was going through a moment of frustration in my career. But the independent film world being what it is, um, you know, that took us six years to draft, redraft, find financing producers and get on set, about six and a half years. And in that meantime, I sort of went through the phenomenon of Game of Thrones and the Hunger Games. And so I was very privileged in, you know, standing next to Monitor Village and the talent that was there from directors to producers and so forth. So there was sort of five, six years, I suppose, where I really started to think about storytelling beyond the acting talent remit. And my appetite got whetted. I got a taste for it, not least the team camaraderie of, of it. And I just have a natural um, instinct for storytelling. And then I started to realize that as well as wanting to have a harness of more control of my own career out of frustration of the roles I was being offered, I also got a real kick out of exploring, finding stories, starting to pitch them, finding colleagues. And so that brings me up to where I am. I've been on a few development journeys in the last handful of years, but now I finally got to this formal alliance uh, with Fremantle that was announced a few weeks ago. So I'm very excited about that. And when did the conversations with Fremantle start? Perhaps explain the deal that you have with Fremantle and how it came about. Um, at a basic level, I have a, you know, a first look deal, I suppose it is, with Fremantle, but they give me sort of a financial and supportive infrastructure um, to you know, feel supported as I start to develop a slate. And I have a few things in my back pocket that I've wanted to get going for you know, a couple of years and either not had the time or well, mainly not had the time to be honest, or the support um, network to do it. So they've given me that. And the relationship comes fundamentally from, well, 100% from my experience of Picnic at Hanging Rock. We shot in darkness in 2016, and I had, you know, I have a producer credit on that, and so I'd, I'd had this ground-shifting experience of shooting my own independent film. And quickly on the back of that, I went on to set with Mel Gibson and Sean Penn, who are both obviously talent who have directed um, and had conversations with them. And then promptly on the back of that, went to Australia to do Picnic at Hanging Rock. So I'd hung out with a lot of people that were doing it and had done it. And I was trying to find you know, my, my, my center and my confidence. And then Picnic at Hanging Rock was, um, I mean, yes, there's Top of the Lake, which was a co-pro with New Zealand, but it was, its, you know, it was really Australia's first foray into prestige television, saying we can do this too, guys, for this new incredible SVOD um, era that we live in. And because it was such an ambitious, wonderful project, there were some teething problems to begin with. And um, the amazing Christian Vesper from Fremantle came out to Australia to 
come and talk to me and Larissa Kondraki, our showrunner director, and sort of help smooth out those early teething problems. And here it was him and I having conversations. And I realized, he realized, we both realized we were simpatico. And they were very much, the Fremantle ethos at the moment is wanting to be, you know, a place where talent feel like they have a home. And they're nurturing these talent deals in you know, a way that America is more used to than we are on this side of the pond. But perhaps you know, we are increasingly going that way. And you know, Fremantle really have a strong ethos and supportive desire to nurture those creative relationships. Being a problem solver with that core team of producers, director, lead writers, you know, it's, it's, a, it's addictive, that sensation of creating a really, how can we improve this story? In Darkness specifically has made me a much better actor. I mean, in being with a director for over a decade, I heard all those conversations that a lot of t talent don't hear anywhere. I heard all the conversations with producers and with TV executives, and I heard the, dis you know, I went to dinner. I wasn't at dinners with uh, actors. I was at dinners with DOPs and and, um, and composers and, and, and editors. And so I just basically was surreptitiously amassing an entire skill set without quite realizing it at first. And how much of what you're looking at developing will you play in? Are you, are you developing projects entirely for other people, entirely for yourself, some blend in between? In, bet in between. There's some, there's some stories that there's, I can see that there's, you know, a nice small cameo-esque role that I would like to dip in, you know, I would like to play. Viv, which we'll get to, is, you know, obviously specifically a vehicle to show an, an acting range. A few of them, you know, I don't know yet is the answer to the question, Stephen. Possibly no, you know, possibly no. And I'm hoping to be so busy it's not physically possible to do them all. So um, you've been working solidly since we met, and you're about, what, 24, so... But is there any sense in, God which, love you. <laughs> in which the industry can be harsh on actors, particularly women actors, as they reach a certain... Is, I mean, a lot of actors seem to go behind the camera partly to regain control of what's a quite chaotic life. Did that play into what your decisions at all? Yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting time, isn't it? Everyone in this room knows that even better than I do, probably. And when you turn on um, the television at the moment, all those female protagonist shows that come up, I mean, that there's, a, you know, it is the golden era of television, and it looks like that crest of the wave of the the three-dimensional, oh my God, female protagonist is upon us, and, you know, long overdue, and other representation. It is changing, but... Unless you came straight out of the traps with an award-winning performance that got recognized internationally, and then you never have to really, not fight, but it's just, you're just you're reading the scripts and answering the phone calls. I think, you know, for a lot of talent, it is a pro, it has to, at a certain point, it has to be a proactive activity. And um, I just want to push myself, as, as a storyteller, both as an actress, and behind the camera. But definitely as an actress, I feel that the only way to not be offered the same role that I've been seen, I've done before, is yes, to grab the reins a little bit myself. And then once you show people that you do have that skill, then hopefully it, you know, begets itself and the, the snowball hopefully starts going down the hill. 
So, so a lot of the projects that you've got in development, it's quite hard to talk about, but you did mention briefly um, the Vivian Lee. Tell us a bit about that. What's, how does the idea begin and where are you at with it now? Um, I've always been fascinated by Vivian Lee. She's sort of one of the original actresses that straddled the Atlantic. You know, she's beloved by the Americans as much as she is on, uh, on this side of the pond because, you know, she won so many hearts and minds as Scarlett O'Hara. She fought her, herself professionally and personally. I mean, she's seen as one of the greatest screen sirens. You know, like the American Film Institute put her right up there in the top 25 actresses a few years ago with Catherine Hepburn and Betty Davis. And her filmography in comparison is, is not long. But it's because she had a quality and a screen acting technique that was decades ahead of its time. And Winston Churchill praised her, Dior dressed her, Cecil Beaton photographed her. She was part of like the original Brangelina power couple, this fairy tale couple of her and Laurence Olivier. So that myth exists, and I want to explode that myth. The V&A have got over like 30,000 artifacts that were bequeathed by her estate. And when she was a hoarder, and when you start reading the telegrams and the letters, and she used to make these scrapbooks, you see this woman who's profoundly struggling with a bipolar condition, manic depression, insomnia, suicide attempts, miscarriages, a child that she couldn't bond with, a peculiar codependent relationship with Olivier, which they're both bound up in sort of begrudgment as well as celebrating each other's success. And there's just this wealth and store of, of, of storytelling. And obviously, my, my in for a modern-day audience is the mental health element. Well, it's twofold. It's the woman in a chauvinist studio system who can't make the choices that she wants to make artistically because Selznick or whomever at the time she's contracted to won't let her take particular roles. Then you inject the Second World War in there and duty and entertaining the troops and, and um, this profound insecurity she had that she needed to make herself an authentic thespian because the stage was the true art form and why on earth would you want to be a film star? It's, it, it's, it's, yes, it's glamour, and it's going to be visually sumptuous, and you're going to have a lot of fun with the cameo cast you can play with, as we all saw recently in Feud, for instance. But um, to me, fundamentally, there's a woman struggling with her shadows and her darkness and a profound mental health issue that was completely undiagnosed at the time. I'm excited for 2019, so we can get running. And we're obviously in a very exciting time now. It's choose your own length of time. Do you want to make a feature film for 90 minutes, two hours? Do you want to do a limited series that allows your three-act structure to go over six hours? Or do you want it to be a returning series over 30 hours or beyond? So everyone in this room has an incredible opportunity now to decide what length the storytelling is going to be, which I think in this new age is really one of the massive benefits of how people consume television now. Well, we're out of time. Would you please join me in thanking the amazing Natalie Dormer. Thanks, guys.